true. I'm his mom. I'm also your host for the Auto Parent Podcast. My name is Reverend Casey Vanatta Casebeer. I am an associate pastor and director of family ministries at Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., and I'm a mom. Y'all, whatever we need this podcast to be, whether it's a space for solidarity or hope, to receive permission to tell guilt and shame to kick rocks. Whatever we need for this parenting journey, I pray we find it here together. So come on, let's pray toward it and let's do it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast, episode 13, which we're calling the Easter episode. I mean, duh, what else would we call it? I'm your host, Pastor Casey, and y'all know me, so let's get to our special guest for this episode. I am so excited. When I was planning for who would do the Easter episode, there was one person that came to mind, and she said yes, and y'all are going to love it. So I'm so, so, so excited to tell you that our special guest is Reverend Rachel Cornwell. She is the senior pastor at Dumbarton United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C., and she is a mom. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you, Casey. I'm so happy to be here. Um, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Um, okay. So we're going to get right into our special guest questions. Um, just up top, let's uh, go through what's your biggest pet peeve? So I had a hard time picking one, <laughs> <laughs> which maybe should be my confession, but um, they all sort of fall under the category of pick up your stuff. Yeah. Um, I have three kids. They are 16, 13, and 9. And we have all been together at home for a year during yep. this pandemic. And um, so we eat three meals a day at home together. <laughs> and we eat a lot of spreads, like peanut butter and right. cream cheese, you know. And everybody gets a clean knife every time they spread something on a piece of bread or an English muffin or whatever. And then they leave it in the sink without washing mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. Because the dish fairy is going to come along and <laughs> clean it. And you know, the I dish fairy lives at my house, too, just yeah. in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, like, as as we're doing this, there are three knives in the sink with different spreads on them. And um, and I refuse. I just refuse. Like, why yeah. can't you use your fingers or a sponge or lick it off? I don't know. Yeah. So. Or, I mean, even just like a, you know, grab a towel or something, just like wipe it do something so many options <laughs> so many options but leaving this, it in the sink for me to deal with is really not the best option so anyway that's one of my pet peeves <laughs> well that's a great pet peeve I love that one for sure okay now we're gonna ask this question which I ask every special guest it's it's I always say the same qualifier like it does not have to be a good story but this question is what what is the hardest time you've ever laughed okay Ever laughed or recently? <laughs> oh, re- if you have a recent one, that's better. That's better. I love that. I think 
One of the things that I laugh, have laughed the hardest about recently, so I have two teenagers, right? So we have a lot of talking in memes, a lot of, <laughs> have you seen this YouTube video thing in our house? And my daughter is on TikTok, um, and she... So my husband and I are both from the South, I should qualify. And uh, I'm from Arkansas. <laughs> I grew up in Arkansas. Um, my husband's from Tennessee, like you. Yeah. Um, grew up in Memphis. And so they have two Southern grandmas, but one who is has a very thick accent, my beloved <laughs> mother-in-law. And <laughs> so my daughter, uh, in an act of love, made a TikTok video of things my Southern Nana says. And um, if it's okay, I'm just going to play it because it is Oh, please hilarious. do. Because my kids think that speaking in a Southern accent is like a foreign language. Sure. It kind of is. But um, anyway, they just <laughs> get a kid. They get such a kick out of it. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to play this. Okay. So it's my grandma's birthday. So we're going to do things my Southern grandma has said. Hush your mouth. We are in church. Don't make me spank you in front of your cousins. Why can't we have one normal conversation without all y'all hollering like banshees? Julian Meeks, what have I told you about running around the house butt naked? Meryl, I swear if you don't leave your brother alone, we're going to have a problem. Right, so she thinks it's butt naked. I mean, it's actually buck naked, but... Right. <laughs> naked. Uh, <laughs> but I just... She had her nailed. <laughs> and this is like, you know, you don't know, you know your kids are listening, right, to everything yeah. you say. Uh, but then when you hear it mirrored back, um, it's, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> right. Hush that was... your mouth. We are in church. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you shared that with us. <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. Oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. I'm crying for like the third time on the podcast because it was so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. The Southern accent thing too is hilarious to me because I've, I've actually always been told that I don't particularly have a Southern accent. Right. Like people can't really tell where I'm from, but when I get tired, mm. it is over. And most of the time when I'm um, like hanging out with our youth, it's like at night and I'm tired. So they think I'm like so Southern, like they can't. <laughs> and of course my kids do have a, like, especially Cash, like he does have a Southern accent. So they always make fun of me for having a Southern accent. And I'm always like, y'all should just hear me during the day. I sound totally normal. <laughs> <laughs> or you should hear the people where I come from. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, that was <laughs> that was beyond, and I'm so happy you shared that with us. Yes. What we'll probably do is <laughs> uh, we'll link that TikTok on our Instagram and Twitter so that you can find it um, and rewatch it over and over that. again. <laughs> Good. Um, okay, well, now we're going to do a segment that we do with special guests sometimes. It's called Fun Facts, and we are going to do some resurrection fun facts for our listeners today and um, I again will just reinforce that these are totally true and absolutely factual and not at all made up no <laughs> so Rachel do you want to do you want to start with some resurrection fun facts sure so the first fun fact is that the Easter Bunny was actually the first one at the tomb <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> Uh, he was uh, there to hide some eggs. Yeah. He was busy at 
work and then <laughs> Jesus um right did you did you know that Jesus didn't say uh, don't hold on to me he said dude you're getting my robe dirty <laughs> They just, they, they misheard and they wrote it down wrong. But that's exactly what Jesus actually said. Yeah, he's a little cranky. He'd had a rough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus slash the gardener was actually the first hologram. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, did you know that Jesus actually handed her a handkerchief when he said, woman, why are you weeping? Because, you know, Jesus was dead, but chivalry certainly wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a gentleman, that Jesus. <laughs> oh, maybe he is my boyfriend. Um, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is so irreverent. Um <laughs> Did you know the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, but he didn't realize that it was a marathon and not a sprint. (laughs) (laughs) Those disciples just constantly missing it. (laughs) Dude, twenty-five more miles. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. This has been a segment called Fun Facts, and I'm crying again. Again, I'll just tell you, these are totally true, 100% factual um, fun facts about the resurrection. And also, I'll just go ahead and say, you're welcome. Um, (laughs) And now we're going to transition into our segment called Parenting Fails Confessions Mm -hmm. and Wins. Let's start with Parenting Fails. I'll go first, just kind of set the tone. So we went to Nashville this past week for a little bit of a vacation and to let the kids hang out with my grandmother and grandfather and and family. And we decided uh, for the first time that we would drive down during the day and not overnight. And about hour, I don't know, seven, because it takes about 10 hours to get there, at about hour seven, when neither one of them had taken a nap and they were screaming, I mean, just screaming as loud as they possibly could, um, they had consumed an entire bag of gummy bears oh, yeah. <laughs> um, just to get them to chill, which didn't work. Rock um, gummies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If I'd had some of those other ones. Um, you would have been eating them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they have melatonin gummies. And so uh-huh. at one point, I looked at Greg because that's that's like they take those every night um, under <laughs> under the uh, recommendation of their pediatrician. I should add, we're not just dragging <laughs> our important. kids, although <laughs> it's not a drag. It's a <laughs> right. It's a natural, natural. Su- supplement. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so at one point, I looked at Greg and I was like, "We're giving like it's time. It's time. Like they're gonna take these melatonin gummies or like." you know, it's, it's not going to be good. And he was like, let's not give them to them yet. Like, let's just hold on. Cause they're going to want to see their grandparents right when they get there. Like, let's just hold on. So I was like, okay, I'm still driving at this point. And the screaming was, was getting super, super intense. And I looked at Greg and I was like, if you don't give them these melatonin gummies, or if we don't pull over, like I'm finding the nearest cliff and we're Laverne and Shirley it off this cliff. <laughs> like we're all- this is not, this is like, Thelma it was, you mean, yeah. Oh, Thelma and Louise. 
<laughs> Can you imagine Laverne and Shirley in a car? <laughs> they were working in the bottle factory. <laughs> I can't believe I said Laverne and Shirley. Female duo. It is a th- <laughs> just imagining Laverne and Shirley in a car holding hands driving off a cliff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Their sweaters. Yeah. Monograms. Okay. Exactly. I actually in the moment said Thelma and Louisa get off this cliff. And so we pulled over and you know, Greg conceded. We gave them their melatonin gummies. And then as we got back in the car, there was this moment where they started making each other laugh. And I like, I immediately looked up and was like, yeah, because you knew what was about to happen. Like that was a moment from God that I was like, yeah, so good because it it started to make us laugh, which was good. But I think the message here is that I don't think we'll be driving all the way to Nashville during the day anymore, ever again, ever again. Um, Made me question everything about my life <laughs> and faith your choices and my choices um okay so that's my parenting fail what what do you have um well I because we have family in uh Nashville and Memphis we have done that road trip many times with the kids um you know packed up the minivan and driven the 11 to 16 hours uh so I can totally relate so I'll tell a road trip story too we were uh, perfect we were on our way back from visiting family and we decided that we would uh, get the kids Krispy Kreme donuts um, as a treat. So we pulled off and uh, they got donuts. We get back in the car and we don't go very far. And all of a sudden my youngest child starts saying, mom, I don't feel so good. And of course, you know, it's, there's motion and they're looking at screens And uh, we're like, okay, okay, we're getting off, we're getting off. And as we're pulling off the exit ramp, he projectile vomits all over the car. (laughs) And my daughter has a phobia about vomit. And (laughs) she starts freaking out, screaming, crying. And she's got, like, she's kind of a prissy. She's got pillow spray (laughs) and she's spraying it in the car. So now it feels like. (laughs) spray and vomit and we're in this parking lot of this gas station and we are just throw chunking things out of the car you know car yeah. seats and shoes and everything that's covered in puke and my husband runs over and buys some garbage bags and you know wipes from the <laughs> gas station and we're trying to wipe everything down we're just crying laughing so hard and Nora is beside herself and then Evan goes what are we having for lunch <laughs> No more I love donuts that. on road trips. <laughs> yeah, this is so crazy that you mentioned vomit because on <laughs> on the way down there, what I forgot to add was that right as we pulled in, Riggs started throwing up, just like throwing up everywhere. We're like, oh. what is going on? This is insane. But I get car sick, so I was like, maybe, and it usually happens afterwards. So I was like, maybe he's, you know, got a little bit of that. But on the way back, Greg was ill the entire time. So like every... And I, okay, so I did this thing where I took my sleep medicine because I was like, who could pretend that this was going to be a thing that was going to happen? And so he's projectile vomiting. I'm like one eye open. <laughs> he's pulling off at every exit, throwing up. Oh, no, poor guy. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. And then, you know, eventually, like, 
I got to a place where I was like awake enough and knew that my medicine was out of my system. It took us to get from Nashville to Knoxville. We left Nashville at 1030. We got to Knoxville at 430. Wow. Central. And that's like a three hour drive. (laughs) It's a, it's a three hour drive. It took us twice that. Um, Oh no. So yeah, (laughs) there's that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Road trips are hard. (laughs) They are. It's hard too. Like it's really hard to win. That's true. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's, (laughs) I love a good road trip story. Uh, We're going to move now into parenting confessions. I'll start us off again. My parenting confession, real simple, real short. I had a week of not spending the night with my children and very rarely did I get called mom and there was not a lot of hanging on me. I didn't have to be a jungle gym and I didn't constantly feel like warm blooded people against me all the time. That sounds amazing. Um, (laughs) It was the best, it was the best week of my life. (laughs) There was nothing that was sticky. Uh, it was just, you know, it was amazing. I went to bed at like 8.30 every night. Like at one point I was with my mom and I was like, we should like make snacks, which I just want to say, like we have a thing in our house called the snack manager. Mm. And this is because when Cash was little, at one point he said randomly, like we were going to watch a movie. He was like, I'm going to be the snack manager. And I was like, that's the best job I've ever heard of in my entire life. Sign me up. (laughs) Right. So now we have this thing in our house where, you know, cash or rigs gets to like, they, they get to be the snack manager and then we go over to the cupboard and you know, they manage all the snacks. So anyway, I was like, I was like, I'm going to be the snack manager. We're going to get all these snacks. We're going to watch a movie. We went and, and sat down and I swear, like we both fell asleep. Like eight thirty. So anyway, that's my confession. I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> so there it is. Do you, do you have a parenting confession? Um, well, mine's short and sweet too. Um, I've already busted into the Easter candy. Oh, <laughs> my kids. We're recording this prior to Easter, and um, my kids don't know where the Easter candy is. So, yep, but you do. But. <laughs> I try not to buy the things that I like, but um, the Cadbury mini eggs with the hard oh, yeah. candy shell are kind of my downfall. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess I'm right there with you. I mean, we've probably purchased three individual bags of Starburst jelly beans, and I've hid them in the glove box. I've hid. Th- <laughs> I mean. <laughs> They've been hidden everywhere, yeah. and actually, I've succeeded in the kids not having one single jelly bean, which means I've probably consumed an entire bag of Starburst jelly beans. <laughs> Just so easy to do during I know. the week. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, my favorite part of the podcast: parenting wins. Last night, I had this really beautiful moment with Cash. I saw that the sun was going down, and I was like, oh my gosh, Like, let's go outside. And he was like, why? Why are we going outside? I was like, let's go outside. We got to run. We got to hurry. So we put his shoes on. We ran outside. Um, We stood barefoot in the grass, and we watched the sunset, and he was holding my hand, and it was just like, I could have said no to this. Like, I was laying down. He was kind of like settled, um, because it was after eight. And I don't know, there was something in me that was like, just go do this thing. Just go ground yourself in the earth. And after the, you know, 
<laughs> the the debacle that had been our trip home. Yeah. I was like, let's find a, a moment. And so we did. And it was just, it was beautiful and it was awesome. And he still is a little bit confused by it, but... <laughs> But um, yeah, it was it was beautiful. So yeah, that's my parenting win for the week is saying yes to that to that moment. That is so important. Just those moments of spontaneous rest and being together is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so mine is is a little bit more like the long game. Um, so I have, as I've mentioned, I have three children, a daughter and two sons, and one of my sons is transgender. So we do a lot of gender fluidity in our house, and mm-hmm. um, we talk a lot about gender and expression. And um, But my middle son, so when he was uh, eight years old, we were laying in bed one night, and he said, Mom, when I turn nine, can I get my ears pierced? Because in this house, kids get their ears, ears pierced at nine because his sister had gotten her ears pierced right. at nine. So like, it was, you know, in his mind, this was a rite of passage. And I, this was before my younger son transitioned. So I was like, wow, um, I have to think about that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I just, you know, I didn't want him to get bullied. And I wasn't sure where this was coming from. And um so, you know, we, my husband and I talked about it. We thought about it. We, like, pulled other friends. Um, and my main concern was really, well, I had two. One was, like, is, is he going to get singled out and bullied for this at school mm-hmm. as a second grader, third grader? Um, and two was, uh, can he practice good enough hygiene to keep these from getting infected? <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> because at that time, well, and even now, um, that was a question. So <laughs> we told him, you know, you, you have to like, you have to show us that you can take care of these because they will get infected if you can't keep them clean. And for a year, he wore these magnetic clip on earrings. And, you know, he really stepped up the toothbrushing and the hairbrushing and, um, <laughs> And so we let him get his ears pierced and um, he wears these dangly earrings and he's got long Amazing. hair and his favorite color is pink. And he's the cisgender one. Right. <laughs> he's the right. one who always gets misgendered. People call him, you know, a girl all yeah. the time and he doesn't care. But it just taught me a lot about um, letting them be their own people and, you know, that kids are going to be mean. That's just right. a given. Right. Um, you can't prevent that but you can give them the skills and the confidence of to express themselves as they feel you know is really who they are and um so I just I'm so grateful that my kids have taught me that um and they're so they're so brave really um to just be themselves and to be so um not give a crap what anybody thinks (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah that was a win to like and I've decided I don't fight about hair. I don't fight about clothes. You can paint your nails. I don't know how I feel about tattoos, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And it reminds me of a time when Cash was in um, preschool. And he must have been three because Riggs is wearing them now. But um, 
Cash was obsessed with Pink. He was obsessed with Moana. Um, we were, you know, we also have sort of a gender fluid household, like just kind of whatever way that you want to express yourself is beautiful and amazing. Cash loves rainbows and unicorns. And he's just like, I mean, who wouldn't? Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> They're not and just for girls. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so he picked out these pink um Paw Patrol shoes when he was three that he loved so much. When he picked them out, he was so excited. He was like, people at school are going to love these shoes. Like, I, I can't wait. Um, and he loved them so much that Greg went and got some pink shoes as well um, so that they could wear them together. <laughs> it was so cute. And so he wore them to school. And his teacher, when I came to pick him up that day, had them in his hand, in her hand. So my child had socks on and was barefoot. And she handed them to me and was like, just so you know, like the kids were, you know, kind of making fun of him and telling telling him that he didn't need to be wearing pink shoes because he was a boy. And so my recommendation is just that he doesn't wear these shoes anymore. Hmm. And I was like, ugh, like no. just heart, you know. So um, the moral here is that I'm glad I'm not raising kids in Tennessee anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this week has been particularly rough, um, with anti-transgender bills. Um, so it's hard. I'm grateful for our community and our bubble here, but you know, I, I feel like these kids are everywhere and they need to be affirmed and they need to have the space to express who they are. And and maybe they're not transgender. Maybe they just like pink. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's, um, it's all a social construct. It's so hard. Yeah, Sad. we didn't um, we didn't find out the sex of either of our kids, mm-hmm. um, and it was. I mean, you would think that we had made the choice to, you know, like become mole people, as if we could do such a thing. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And people would say the same thing to me over and over again. Like, I'm I'm just such a you know I'm such a planner. Okay. <laughs> There's literally nothing different. What are you talking about? Right. Like, what you mean is that you're a shopper. Uh, That's two different things. Uh-huh. So yeah, I mean, it. I'm stumbling over my words just because I'm thinking about how important safe spaces are, particularly in areas where there's a lot of anti-trans um, legislation and um, rhetoric and harmful religious space. Um, how those safe spaces are so so important. And, you know, I mean, when, when you're able to find, find those safe spaces and, and, and connect, like we were working to connect a part of our religious, like it was a, it was a cohort of churches who had come together to sort of try to find these safe spaces and create one in, in the County that we lived in. Mm. And it's just, it's hard, hard, hard work. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's so important. Well, I, I brought Evan to Foundry one time and it, um, you had all the rainbows and the trans uh, flag up outside. And he goes, Mom, look, they have all the flags. <laughs> <laughs> all Take the my flags. picture by the trans flag. So, yeah, I mean, and I also want to just make sure I'm clear that the, the win here was not that I was such a great parent. But that I have, I won the jackpot with these kids, and yeah. um, I have learned. They're just such a gift to me. I've learned so much from them. Yeah, that's right. 
that's a helpful, that's something that nobody has said is that like the win actually is the gift of these amazing human beings that we've been given an opportunity to like walk the earth with in this amazing sort of cosmic experiment, as I like to say. Best segment ever. Like, I love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been Parenting Fails Confessions and Wins. Um, If you have any Parenting Fails Confessions or Wins that you would like to share with the podcast, you can do that via Instagram or Twitter at AutoParent. And now it's time to do a little something different. Well, this is our Get Real segment where we take the lectionary passage for each week and get real. The text for this week comes from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and here it is in the New Revised Standard Version. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, And said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God. Thanks for this. Yeah, for this Mm. Easter week. So just initial reactions to the text, what kinds of things stood out to you uh, that you'd that you'd like to share as like an initial thought? The thing that always stands out to me about the Easter text in contrast to, I think, to the way we celebrate Easter. um, I mean, we celebrate Easter with so much confidence and assurance and, um, Enjoy as we should, but these first Easter narratives are filled with so much confusion and grief, and you know people 
not knowing what's going on and observing things, but, um, but being really confused and running away afraid. Um, and, and it says twice in here about how Mary's crying. And I just think, especially in the year that we've had, um, I mean, Easter last year, we were just starting this pandemic. Um, we didn't know how long it would last and all that would, the toll that it would take. Um, and so that's the thing that really stands out to me is that we celebrate and there's all this joy, but in there's also grief and confusion and anxiety. Um, and it's, it's all there in the Easter story. It's okay to come on Easter and sing Alleluia with a, a raw throat, right? And, um, or, or be joyful through your tears, like to bring it all this Easter, especially, I think is the thing that stands out to me. Yeah, that's really powerful. I'm thinking about uh, how (laughs) at Foundry, the last thing we did in the, in the building as a as a community was um, the kids helped us bury our alleluias. Mm. And I joke with Will because he and I were the ones who sort of concocted this, this thing that we would do. And I was like, I don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into as far as like burying these hallelujahs. How long they would be buried. (laughs) How long they would be buried. (laughs) And as you were saying that about singing hallelujah, I thought, yep, those hallelujahs are are still buried. I mean, I think everything that you're saying is super, super powerful. I'm also thinking about how like sometimes the benefit of knowing the story is like a tool of convenience that helps us, you know, for, for some of us, it may be to help us skip the Holy Week, right? Like we know the end of the story. And so we don't necessarily have to walk through Maundy Thursday and through, you know, a Good Friday and, and reckon with what uh, capital murder looks like. Um, and like... You know, in a in a time, as you say, that is that has been so full of grief. And as we're watching this Derek Chauvin trial, and there's just so many things that are continuing to be brought forth that are like that are strings tied to trauma from last summer, from you know, there there are so many of us kind of walking through renewed trauma and renewed grief that the the hope of Easter either is a comfort or it's disbelief, right? Like so, I I think about the the unbelief, right? And with uh, TC, right? It, it's it's been beautiful that we've been walking through the lectionary and thinking about how Jesus is consistently saying, particularly in the John Gospel, "This is who I am. This is what's going to happen. There's going to be this really like cosmic event. Um, don't miss it." here I am. Don't miss it. Here's the sign. Here's your sign. And they just, they never get it. They never get it (laughs) until a little bit later. Um, so this, this idea of, of confusion, I mean, there's just so much solidarity in that for me right now, Mm -hmm. like what this Holy week is gonna, is gonna feel like. I mean, it's so funny because we're recording this during Holy Week, yeah, um, and so it's it's funny to be thinking about how this will release next week, but we're still walking through this like really intense liturgical moment. So yeah, those are just some of my initial reactions. But I think everything that you're saying is super super powerful and helpful to think about how like if we don't if we don't have it if we don't have the 
the alleluias on Easter, that it's okay to come to, to come to Easter with some, some stuff. Yeah. Well, and I, I do love the part where Mary grabs on to Jesus. Right. Don't leave me again. Right. You left me once. Don't leave me again. And it doesn't say that she grabs on, but he says, don't hold on to me. Um, And I was listening to the Working Preacher podcast earlier this week, um, doing some sermon research. And Caroline Lewis pointed out, Jesus says, go and tell my disciples I'm ascending. So that for, in John, the climax is really the ascension. There's, there's right. a lot more to the story here of these post-resurrection appearances in John. And, and it's the ascension that is the culmination of the whole story. And he tells her to go, this is what she's supposed to go and say. And, but she, what she goes and says is, I have seen the Lord. Yeah. I've seen the Lord. And that's all she, she can't explain it. She, she doesn't, you know, know what's yet to come, even though he's told her, just like you were saying. (laughs) I mean, but all we can do is tell what we know. Mm -hmm. I have seen the Lord. And this is what it was like for me. That resonates really deeply to me um, because it's, that's where faith begins, I think, for so many of us, is, is in your own spiritual experience. What can you testify to? What are you a witness to in the ways in which God works in this world? Yeah, and, and to do so on the other side of some really intense waiting mm. and silence and grief. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's... To think about it sort of in a literal sense, right? The the emotions and um, sort of the way I, I'm I'm even thinking about how her body might respond to this particular event, and I think about, I mean, having gone through another Lent, another Lenten season in this particular mode. I, know, I keep saying Lent is going to Lent, but it really is Lenting. And <laughs> never um, Lented so hard in my life. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. Um, I saw someone uh, post early on in Lent, like if this whole year has been a Lent for you, it's fine to mm. just like skip this one. <laughs> mm. um, but to think about how, like, on the other side of like of of waiting and desperation and grief to then just catch a glimpse of hope of light of of what feels like impossibility and perhaps like some redemption and some reconciliation like all of those good like pauline ideals about like wrapping some stuff up how <laughs> A witness of that particular thing can be so unbelievably powerful and can sort of break in mm. to those moments of, of deep, deep grief and darkness and how the, those, like, as you're saying that about witness, I'm thinking about how much we need that right now. Witnesses to our own personal spiritual experience. And I think as, as parents, Whew. We talk a lot about about this on the podcast, but sometimes with parenting, there seems to be a compartmentalization mm. of like, this is how I parent, this is how I work, this is how I, you know, uh, participate in my faith community. This is, you know, like there's a lot of of boxing up um, because the integration of all of that feels like 
for me, it feels like being under a pile of like a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like constantly trying to sift through and sift out of. Um, but one of the things that has been really, really powerful in my spiritual experience is to recognize and to see spirit in and amongst my parenting and my kids. Hmm. And I don't feel like I witness to that enough, you know? And I think that um, as a parent, it's not another thing we have to do, right? It's about like the integration and seeing how God is working in our in our homes, in our lives, in our hearts, and in our kids. Mm-hmm. Well, and these these seasons and holidays and moments, I mean, the, the temporalness of them is important. Yeah. But Easter is not going to resolve everything for, I mean, right. April 4th is not going to come and then there's no more death and there's no more suffering and there's no more injustice and oppression in the world. It's, you know, and, and even in the midst of Lent, we have little Easter's. Yeah. And signs of hope and things that um, help us to keep moving forward. So, I, I mean, it's it's important for us to have these seasons and these different ways of marking time and um, telling the story in our faith tradition. But I think in reality, it's all always mixed up together. That's right. <laughs> and, the, and the Easter season is full of these stories of the resurrected Christ appearing to people and them being like, what? <laughs> right. You know, d- doubting Thomas and the right. disciples. I was going to say, let me touch your and, wounds. <laughs> yeah. And, and so we don't have to have it all figured out. And we don't yeah. have to have perfect belief. And we don't have to... Um, say, well, now it's Easter, so now we have to be joyful. Um, We get to be joyful, even in the midst of grief and hard things. And and we get to bring all of that with us to our celebration of the resurrection, because that's what it means to really be alive, I think. And for me, that's what resurrection is about. It's about being fully alive. We've been doing Howard Thurman this uh, uh, season of Lent at Dumbarton and talking about Jesus and the disinherited. But I'm loving this mm-hmm. quote of Thurman's, you know, do what makes you feel fully alive and yeah. find what makes you feel fully alive and go and do that because the world yeah. needs more people who have come alive. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be our Eastertide uh focus is what does it mean to really be fully alive and in your parenting and in your working and especially now because everything's all mixed up together there is no right as as much as we may try to compartmentalize it in our heads in our in actuality my office is my bedroom my (laughs) dinner table I was going to say I'm looking for toys that often find themselves on my desk and well yeah I mean as I think too about the ways in which Easter has this 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 joyful aspect, this thing that we look forward to, um, I also think about like the lament of not being in physical community together. I mean, this will be the second Easter that we've done this particular mode of of Easter, and and the beauty of the Easter story is that it's communal. There's just this this part of it which. TC and I on the podcast talked a little bit about like this idea of who Jesus is, what this whole thing is about outside of community can be sometimes difficult to, to grasp. And so 
that's just yet another thing that we find ourselves in the midst of is not being in in physical community for another Easter. So for me, this would be my second Easter at Foundry and and the only way I've experienced Easter at Foundry. Pastor Kelly, um, same thing. And she's been here longer than me and she hasn't yet experienced a full Foundry Easter. So there's there's that. <laughs> I started my appointment in July, and we're not going to be meeting in person until September. So it'll have been over a year that I've been the pastor before we've met in person for worship. Right. It's right. hard. I, and my kids are hard. so needing to go back to school and be with their friends. And um, it's been particularly hard on my seventh grader because it's seventh grade. and Right. So it's just, yeah, we need... We need community. <laughs> and and yeah. as wonderful as this technology is, it's given us a lot of opportunities, but it's just not the same. Well, that's our job here at the Auto Parent Podcast is to <laughs> bum you out on Easter. No, How do you no. feel? <laughs> one more thing because I know yes. we were going to talk about specifically how does this apply to you as a parent we've talked a little yes. bit about this but I going back to that moment where Mary grabs onto Jesus mm-hmm. I think and, and when I think about my parenting and my kids being such unique individuals and <laughs> following yeah. their own paths and teaching me so much um, I I think for me love is letting go mm. Um, and learning how to release, uh, and give back to God and trust that these kids are going to find their way and they've got an amazing community around them and they are incredible people. Um, so for, I really resonate with that as a parent of like Jesus, Jesus saying to Mary, don't hold on to me. Um, because we can't, we can't keep them the same age. We can't protect them from everything. We can't hold on to them. We have to let them live their lives and be yeah. their, you know, be their support, be their anchor. Um, so that really, that part of the text resonates for me as a mom. Yeah. That's something I hadn't thought of. Like I, I, this idea of, of letting go, don't hold on to me. And then, and then running. There's running. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of running. Um, <laughs> yes. And so uh, that that running piece is sticking with me for a little uh, for a sort of a different way this year than in previous you know years of, of reading the John text in particular. But the the idea of running. I know we were joking about the marathon, not a sprint thing, but <laughs> but, but seriously, yeah. But really, almost everything that we've talked about today is lending itself to that idea of like we are doing this thing, this big, huge uh, thing um, that's been really hard and difficult and and grief filled and doubt filled and this this thing I mean when it started when the pandemic started we we thought four weeks right right and here we are (laughs) much much later and so I think holding on to to Easter for I mean we're Easter people right like we're gonna hold on to hold on to all the things feel all the feels as my uh six-year-old likes to say and keep on keeping on which gospel it is that there's like a, a lot of running back and forth. 
Is that is that Mark? Mark. And Mark is the one where it, the original ending is, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Right. <laughs> right. Which just goes to show, like, there's always more to the story. There's always more there's to the story. There's always more to the story. That's right. Uh, keep, keep running the race and um, keep finding the joy in the midst of hard things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a whole word. That's a whole <laughs> word. Every week we'll have a parent mantra, something that you can say to yourself or to your partner so that you can be reminded you're not alone. The Auto Parent Podcast family and the Foundry Family Ministries are with you on this journey. Your mantra for this week is, I can find joy in the midst of hard things. I can find joy in the midst of hard things. Because friends, if we don't believe that, it's going to be really hard to convince our kids. I've been your host, Pastor KC. You can follow me on Twitter at RevKCVC. And remember to be gentle with yourselves. You don't have to be an auto parent to be a good one. Join us next week, same time, same place. Find out more information about Foundry United Methodist Church by visiting our website, www.foundryumc.org. If you're specifically looking for information about our family ministries department or our offerings for parents, you can find those at www.foundryumc.org slash family ministries.